And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. So as you've come to expect from Fascinating Nouns, i got a great show for you today. I'm sitting down with head puppeteer at the Bob Baker Marionette Theater in Los Angeles, California, Alex Evans. And uh, if you don't know what the Bob Baker Marionette Theater is, then you're missing out. This is the longest thing going today in the world of puppets, longest-running puppet theater in the United States. And on top of that, This is a historical landmark within the city of Los Angeles. It's a very important place. Um, It's it's incredible. It's fun. It kind of harkens back uh, to the days of Howdy Doody. Uh, It's it's kid-centric, but the shows are for all ages. And it really, there's a lot of nostalgia in this place um, that I think uh, really translates well um, and has endured incredibly. It holds up over all these years is, is what I'm trying to say. So how did I become interested in this place? Well, you know I'm always on the lookout for these kind of places, um, for fun, you know, long-running, unique little holes in the wall um, where interesting stories live. And I always knew what marionettes were. Yeah, I knew what a theater was. I know what bakers are. I didn't know what a bob was. And I think that this, putting all the words together led me to this place, led me to Alex, and, uh, you know, this this is really... Um, it's a very special place. We're going to get to that. We're going to find out how Bob Baker became the longest-running puppeteer, not only his theater, but this guy built puppets, um, was influential in that world for 80 years, eight decades. This guy was was doing all things puppets. So uh, let's just get right into it. Um, we're going to have a lot of supplemental material. You, you Check out the website. We're going to do all that stuff at the end. Uh, we're just going to get right into this interview. Uh, Alex, thanks for being on the program, man. Ah, thank you for having me. So now we're sitting here in the Bob Baker Theater. Um, tell me a little bit about this theater for people who are unfamiliar. Sure, sure. It's, it's the Bob Baker Marionette Theater, and so it's a. It's from the outside, it's this strange rectangular white building. But the inside, it's this incredibly decked out marionette <laughs> plaza. Um, it kind of has these huge chandeliers around. And what we do is called theater in the round. So kind of kids kind of sit on the outside edges of the theater and the kind of the puppets and the puppeteers kind of come all the way out in this kind of cabaret style of performance where we, you know, go up and sing and dance and, you know, interact with the kids sit in their laps and things like that. Then this whole, you know, literally right above us right now is this uh, fly gallery. So there's probably about 20 different scenic drops that kind of come down. There's like a, you know, earthquake thing and this Alvera Street thing and all sorts of like senior things. It's pretty, I mean, it's very elaborate in terms of the capabilities of what it can do and what Bob made it do. It has like this color wheels and disco balls and chase the lights and, you know, all sorts of fancy things. Well, and this is, so I mean, it's a, it's a working theater mm-hmm. um, is basically what you're describing. Uh, but this one is a little bit special in that it's the longest running puppet theater in the United States, correct? 
Yeah, especially, specifically marionette theater. There's like there's a place called Fairyland up in San Francisco. It mm-hmm. kind of is slightly longer, like puppet theater. Uh, to get technical, um, but let's get technical. <laughs> so, what's the difference? So, marionette obviously. So, marionette obviously is puppets with strings and things like that. So, I've actually never been, regrettably so. But Fairyland has this theater up there, where it's kind of puppets in all shapes and forms. Sometimes it's marionettes, but it's you know hand and rod kind of Muppet style puppets and things like that. But we pretty much exclusively, with a few a few exceptions, kind of focus on strings and things <laughs> things like that. So hand and rod Muppet style puppets, that's an official, is that a technical industry term? Yeah, hand and rod puppets, that's, a, that's what a Muppet is. A Muppet is a hand and rod puppet. Kermit is, there's obviously Big Bird's a different type of puppet, um, so is uh, like Cookie Monster doesn't have a rod, it has actually like, you know, one has two puppeteers, one doing the head and the hand, the other one doing the left hand. Um, but yeah, was that true? Cookie Monster is done with two different people doing two different hands. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's pretty consistent. Like every there's like a main puppeteer for each puppet, then there's like a left hand man who kind of just does the left hand. Wow, there's a left Cookie Monster has a left hand man. Left hand man. <laughs> That's a good job. <laughs> it is. is that the Cookie hand? That's, is he left handed? Uh, you know what? I couldn't tell you. Um, I, 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 in my head right now, I'm trying to visualize. I, I'm pretty sure he's right handed. He has a cookie in his right hand. Huh. Yeah, I think you are right. Um, yeah, I wonder how much, how often that job comes up. The left uh, Cookie Monster's left hand man. It's like in like the very small puppetry community. Like yeah. you know, everyone's always buying for kind of a job at the Henson's uh, studio. But uh, but that's actually I mean like it's kind of uh, you know it's a different thing. Like, like like it's not as if a puppeteer kind of specializes in in you know what type of puppetry and style of kind of performance they're doing um there's definitely kind of exceptions that people that do you know everything but it's you know um jim henson he was you know a hand and rod puppeteer he didn't you know do much marionette work it's uh you know bob bob baker is a marionettist he kind of you know specialized in that yeah and he definitely made a name for himself um and made a theater that's also a name for himself uh and this is an la cultural landmark right yeah, yeah, it is since 2009. So. 2009. How'd that happen? How'd you guys get that going? So this, that was actually slightly before my time when it happened, but it was like a, there was like a big puppet parade, essentially kind of uh, tons of puppets and puppeteers kind of went down the city hall and kind of, you know, got this nomination. And then there's this hearing and kind of went and kind of presented the case. And like, it's so deservedly so. I mean, this place has been around since 1963. You... Uh, hard pressed to find a place of more goodwill and people that have had birthday parties down here or seen a show. I mean, it's truly innocent and, and and lovely kind of what goes on here. It's just an hour-long musical variety show that's tied with all sorts of cool historical connections and um, yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's a miniature Disneyland of sorts. Yeah, sort of. That's a good way to describe it. Um, now let's talk about Bob Baker, the man. Uh, so he died in 2014, right? Uh, correct, yeah, November of 2014. He was 90 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I was reading, he had been a puppeteer for or a marionette. Is a marionettist or marionette? Puppeteer uh, is fine. I mean, puppet- what? I don't want to offend you in any way. If, I, if it's marionette, <laughs> if it's puppeteer, I'm you walking tell me. out right now. Okay, <laughs> so, no, come back. Uh, so he and he was doing this for you know eight decades. Um, 
That's a long time. Uh, can you do you know a little bit about his history? Can you tell me a little bit about what this guy was all about? Yeah, for sure. So essentially, when he was like a little kid, like um, the age often varies depending on when he was telling the story. But like around about six, seven, or eight years old, he kind of saw a puppet show. It was this. Uh, he actually told me the exact number. It's this thing called Jack Spratt about this character who couldn't get fat and his wife left him. Jack Spratt could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean. So together both, you see, they lick the platter clean. Boom. <laughs> you know the story. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> so in, in the puppet uh, version of that, there was like this puppet that had a balloon inside of him. So like, you know, mm. he would say the magic words and he would get fat. The balloon would blow up <laughs> and the puppet would get fat. So Bob saw it the first show, blown away, went to go see the next show, the balloon popped inside of him. And then when, <laughs> then when he went to go see the next show, the balloon like got out of him, like flew all the way around the theater. <laughs> and like by the end of the third show, he was like hooked and like kind of convinced his mom and dad to kind of buy him a puppet set, and just did for the next eighty plus years nothing but puppets. And like, and so when he was like a you know a very young man, a preteen even, he would go around and do birthday parties, perform in department stores and all around town, and pr- pretty much from then on, like that was his life. And we you know we're surrounded by it right now. So what, did he love the chaos of it? I mean, the fact that every show that he saw, the balloon screwed up. I mean, was he kind of excited about that, do you think? I mean, that's interesting. Uh, I wonder. I mean, uh, in my mind, I guess it's kind of just the live theater aspect of it and kind mm-hmm. of the kind of the mechanisms that are behind it uh, that kind of was put into his face and kind of, I'm sure, kind of, you know, put him into kind of childhood wonder of kind of how it works and kind of, how that affects the kind of experience of the audience. Um, and I'm sure, because, yeah, the first show he saw went perfect. So it was like, ah, oh, this is awesome. This is a cool show. And then as he saw more and more shows, it was like learning more and more about kind of how it actually works and kind of how, you know, the art behind it. And that's what's cool about what we do here and, you know, what he kind of did, this kind of theater and around, that it kind of doesn't hide the puppeteer at all. Like you see this little doll kind of singing and dancing, but immediately look up and you puppeteers right there you can kind of see the whole mechanism right behind it well now that you bring up an interesting point um in that some most marionette shows that i saw as a kid it was there was a painstaking process to hide the puppeteer and here you guys are just behind the marionettes as they walk around um uh, what do you think about that yeah i mean it's i think it's dumb it's dumb to be frank about it it's like uh like so we have like movie theaters or movie things that come in here and like want to shoot puppets and things like that all the time and that is like a thing, like, oh, let's like, you know, get the puppeteer in green screen, or let's like, you know, put them up above. And it's like, in my mind, that's such like a waste of time because if you're doing the performance right, if anyone's paying attention on, you know, to the mechanism behind it, you know, you're not doing your job right selling the character. Like, you shouldn't, there's a beauty in like seeing kind of what, how it works, but it doesn't necessarily mean it has to take away with kind of how you present it and how it's experienced and seen. You know, I'm going to disagree with you there, Alex. Here's why. So if, let's say, someone's doing a great performance, and uh-huh. behind them, this is the, like in newscasts, when someone's, okay. like, being interviewed um, by a newscaster about this horrible thing that's just happened, right? Yeah. Well, if the newscaster's doing their job, you're going to be interested in the news story. But there's always some boner idiot who's behind, like, you know, making faces or jumping around. Uh, now, I'm not suggesting you guys do that by any stretch of the imagination. You guys do a great job of fading into the background. But it's still an unnecessary distraction. 
Um, you know, in some theater work, people dress in all black, uh, like, you know, hands, feet, everything, where you can't see them at all, like a stocking cap. Yeah. And that kind of hides the scenery. I've seen some where, like, they're doing a big thing and there's two or three people that are operating it. And so they really blend into the background. But you guys are there, you know, with, you know, with your faces that are not black, like not black, like, um, like felt black. Um, you know, so you, you see your face, you see your hands. Um, it can kind of take away no matter how great of a puppeteer you are. Um, and I'm actually surprised that mo most people, um, that that doesn't, you don't hear that more often. Not that you don't do a great job, I'm just saying like, when you're gone, if, if someone is like above the puppet or below the puppet and you don't see him at all, that's true invisibility. Uh, what you guys do is like feigned invisibility. But I mean, like, why do you want that? Why, like, why do you need to be invisible? Um, Suspension of disbelief. But that, so in my mind, that's like, that's the beautiful thing of what happens here. Like, and, and I didn't create any of this. Like, really, I'm coming to this very much as, that's, that's how I got involved here. I saw a show, I was like, this is the coolest thing. Like, uh, let, let me be part of it. Um, but it's like, the fact that you're kind of, it's put in your face, the kind of, the mechanism behind it, and the figure, there's something that forces you to be that uh, conscious of that suspension of disbelief that kind of makes it even more authentic in my mind or more or more magical that you're this thing's coming to life and you can so readily just ignore how it how that's happening like i mean that's that's special i, I mean, that is not to say that is not as complete merits the kind of you know things that people kind of do to kind of in other, in other performance styles, to hide it and do, to do it from the bridge. It's, you know, I'm not saying that's, I shouldn't say that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, you, I was going to say, you said it was dumb. Those are your words, not mine. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I take that back. I well, not, so let me, and I don't mean to push you on this. I, yeah, just, sure. I like a conversation. Um, you know, because this is a mostly kid-centered thing. Now, the last thing you want to do is show kids the background. For them, you know, what you're describing is something that, like, an adult appreciating art. Like, I see it, and I know exactly what you're saying. Um, in a lot of ways, I completely agree with you. Um, and especially the, the way you guys, the style you guys do, allows you the freedom of being able to bring the show to the audience. Like, I'm looking at your stage right now, which extends, you know, 25, uh, maybe 20 feet into the audience. Like you said, it's in the round you're surrounded by the audience. You couldn't do that in a traditional marionette show where someone's hiding above or mm -hmm. below. Uh, so that gives you the freedom to do what you do and do it better than anyone else. Uh, I'm just saying that what you, you know, to, to do that, what you're saying is, is a little more geared towards adults than it would be towards, towards kids. I mean, so Bob painstakingly kept making points that He's not doing like kiddie shows or kids shows. Like he kind of didn't even distinguish the two between like a kids performance and an adults mm. performance. It's just a performance is just it's entertainment. And it's you know you guys came down to see the show today, and and I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know I've seen it twice kids. and I loved it. So I mean, there's no you know we're not doing any like deep Shakespeare tragedy or kind of any like complex character stuff. It's all song and dance routines and bits, but it's. You know, it's. I would hope to think it's as entertaining to a seven-year-old as it is a seven-year-old, um, and I think there's so much like value to that to having something that's just entertainment. And it, and what and it what happens is it makes it so sincere. And like really, like one of the most magical parts about this place to me is like it's, it's kind of free of cynicism. There's like no. And that's mm -hmm. like other puppeteers have said that. Um, uh, not to steal their words, but they're so true. Like um, it's. There's, there's no cynicism here. Like, there's no irony. There's no, like, it's just pure fun. 
Well, and also the other the other advantage that you get by seeing the puppeteer is that you see how much fun they're having making this thing come to life. And there mm-hmm. are, you know, two or three puppeteers in particular, you're on that list of people you can really tell as they're manipulating um, the marionette, it, they're loving it as much as, as, you know, as the audience is watching it. Yeah, it's, it's a fun thing to do. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. So, so let, me, let me jump off on, on one of the things you mentioned. Have you, has you ever given, have you ever given any thought to doing like an adult-themed show? Not like X-rated, but like more geared towards specifically adults and not children? Because um, I, th- I feel like this would, this would hit a nerve with like a, a hipster crowd that would pop in here like an over-18 show on a Friday night, Saturday night, and I, th- I feel like you would pack the house with this thing. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, but I mean, like we we get the hip audience down here for sure. I mean, I think I think we definitely we could do that, and we're actively looking for ways to kind of expand the kind of uh, programming what we offer. Um, but I don't necessarily think that means changing the show whatsoever. I think you just take the exact same show, do it at eight o'clock, get a you know caterer and a bar down here for you know then to kind of be drunk and hip and whatever whatever they do. Sure, yeah, um, and. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we have, there's all, the show's packed with all sorts of like innuendos and, you know, things that are way over the kids' heads um, that they'll eat up. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to kind of overtly change it. And, like, what's cool about the live performance aspect of it is that, so we have this sexy black cat that comes out and kind of, like, you know, shakes the chest <laughs> or, or things like that and kind of does these, you know, innuendo-filled, like, dance moods and things mm. like that. Where if it's if you're doing an 8 p.m. show with you know adults, you can kind of gear that to that. You can kind of you know be a little more like dirty or filthy or filthy with it. Sure. Um, so there's ways to adapt it in that regard, without without doing anything rude or without kind of compromising any of the like, integrity yeah. of it all. Um, but the actual like show and the numbers, I mean like, in my mind, you know. It's, I guess I get confused a lot about like what that means when someone says, "I'll oh, do an adult show." It's like, okay, so what do you want? You want some like deep character thing? You want some like you know DNA? You like you like like uh, you know what does what does that mean? Like what what differentiates between like an adult you show to, and a kid show? You want to pitch you a show? Is Please. that what you're asking? Please right, go over. Let me pitch you a show. There was a great um, a great stage show locally here that was done about like dating uh, in the modern world. It's like okay. more like a millennials kind of like Gen Y kind of themed thing. Okay, you could do like a dating in LA specific show here with puppets, and you could have um, you know pick a main character, pick like um, you know one of your one of your puppets that's kind of like an average you know your, to be your everyman puppet. <laughs> And then he goes and, and is finding true love in Los Angeles, where anyone who's listening to this knows how hard it is to find true love in Los Angeles. And because you have so many kooky and crazy puppets, you know, each one can kind of represent, you know, a lot of the stereotypes of people you run into. You know, the highly dramatic actress, the, uh, you know, the, the, the goofy dog walker, the, you know, these types of things. And so they're looking for true love um, in L.A. And you already have an L.A.-themed program. You're in L.A., uh, I think uh, a young crowd would eat something like that up. And why do that show with puppets as opposed to live actors or anything else? Because you guys have lots of puppets and you don't have a lot of lot actors, and that's kind of puppets are in your wheelhouse. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. You don't have to buy it. You can use it free of charge. I'm just saying <laughs> that's the type of show that I think would would be like a huge hit. Um, 
because a lot of the shows you guys do are they're nostalgic. Look, mm-hmm. uh, you you know you did a show today. I loved it, but you haven't performed it in 30 years, mm-hmm. right? So it's not modern. Um, the, the the kitsch nostalgic factor that you're bringing is cool one time, but you could if you took a, a show and modernized it or took a, a modern show with the puppets you have here, uh, you could have repeat viewings. Uh, people would be like, hey, you got to check this thing out. This is really cool. This you know this is very modern. Um, I just think I think there's a real audience for that. I'm not look. I'm not trying to change your thing. I'm just saying like this is. I would. I personally would come to that show. I would love to see that show with no, puppets. We get it all the time. And it's interesting. You know, you're not like. You don't have to make any decisions now, Alex. Man, if you want to go into business with me, you just we'll talk about <laughs> after the uh, the interview. But uh, I, I think there's a real missed opportunity with with as much talent as you have here and. And, um, you know, the creativity. You guys could write it yourselves. You don't have to dust off, um, you know, old, uh, old shows. You can make it here an original, have, a, you know, have it be a, a, an Alex Evans original here at the Bob Baker Marionette Theater. Um, well, I mean, like, it's not, it would, I mean, it would, I mean, it would, it would, the, all this is all Bob Baker shows or whatnot. There's is, is no, is no interest on my end to do anything that's an Alex Evans show. But um, it's, it's interesting to talk about and think about because, like, so so if you were to pitch at the Bob back in the day, yeah, um, that would be hard to pitch to Bob. Although I don't know Bob that well, <laughs> so I couldn't. I don't know how I would adjust my pitch. But but he would. I mean, like, the reason he has like two, three thousand puppets is is because like, you know, every puppet here is built for an act. He essentially mm. kind of conceives and conceptualizes the show and the number and then builds a puppet around that. And like, it's all strong. Every puppet has a certain movement that they do, or a style mm. they walk in, or you know, a trick they do with a hat or whatever, built yeah. around the kind of the bit and the act. Yeah. And it seems, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but like inappropriate to, to kind of recontextualize that character for another thing. Whereas, like, so Bob would say, like, okay, dating show, you know, let's you know, let's make a puppet of Joe Schmo dating guy, or mm. let's you know, we need this like you know. Josie, go like you know, sure. daily lady. Like, you, need, you need a Snooky version. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, you go into that. So, and that—that's how Bob would approach it. And I think he's—I think it's a huge element of it that's right. And there's, there's the argument to make, like, oh, but you guys have two thousand puppets. Why not use them as much as you can? And you don't have a puppet maker on staff. So, if you wanted to make that show and create puppets from scratch, it seems like like wasted work. I mean, that's that's a it's a high financial investment into something you guys already have sitting here. Yeah. I mean, like the. I I mean, it's at a certain point you are compromising the integrity of Bob's vision with some of this stuff mm. in terms of reuse, like reusing the puppets for other things, and it's so it's. I don't know. It, it, I have conversations like this all the time with people yeah. who want to do things like this. And even when I first came to the theater, it was like, oh, let's do like a Star Wars version. Like a, you know, like a, let's have a night where we kind of recreate movies and things like that. Sure, okay. that's a great idea. I'd come watch that. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's kind of some, and, and so it's, it's kind of me know, knowing more now and kind of after years of kind of experience being around and really kind of understanding Bob's process like the idea of dressing up Tommy or one of these characters in a Darth Vader mask it's like ah like you know why like you know you're like <laughs> you're hiding kind of this be- this beautifully cra- you know cr- you know crafted thing you're not like unless you were to do it right and doing it right means spending 
300 plus hours kind of like making a Darth Vader mask for Tommy that kind of yeah. is as pretty and as dynamic and moves just like his, his things do. But if, you, if you're not putting that type of energy, thought, and care into it, then, then you're just missing the point, really. Well, I think it's like a remake. So there's lots of great television shows, and you can watch a rerun of a 1950s show. Uh-huh. Or you can remake the show with modern actors, modern writers, with modern themes, and create a show for today's audience. You know what I mean? And, and I look at your shows, and I love them, but they feel like reruns. And, and I feel like there's, there's such a, a potential. I, I look at what you guys do. I get excited when I'm watching it. Um, I definitely feel nostalgic, but I didn't grow up with, with um, Howdy Doody. And I think this hits the Howdy Doody audience. Um, but, you know, so I just think there's, you guys have so much here that could really make this um, a true destination, an entertainment destination. But it's interesting um, you compare it like TV, because like Broadway, like Oklahoma's revived every like few years. Les Mis, yeah. like Cats, they're like long, the same show over and over and over again. Lion mm-hmm. King, over and over and over again. Yeah. It's, well, Lion King was, that's a modern thing. So well, you know, yeah, it'd be yeah. more with like, you, I see the, the analogy you're trying to draw, and it's, it's, it's a valid one. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I love what you guys do. I'm just offering, I just didn't know if you guys had thought about this or if there's anything in the works. Um, we, you know. I mean, we, we have, we have thought about it. I mean, it's, we're, we're kind of, it's an interesting time of the theater right now. And like, and I, I really appreciate all the comments and, and the thoughts. And, and I we, think that's kind of why, because it is an interesting time in the theater, which I was alluding to, <laughs> uh, to help you guys, you know, really make this um, irreplaceable. I mean, so essentially, Bob passed away, you know, almost two years ago now. And so essentially how the theater keeps going is it, it just keeps going. I mean, it's essentially a collective kind of group of staff down here that just love this place, love the puppets, love what Bob, Bob did. Most of us had, like, a deep connection with Bob when he was around. Um, you know, nobody's here for a paycheck, like, uh, believe me, or have, like, tons of other jobs to kind of get by. Um, it's we're kind of, we're here for the love of kind of what Bob's curated and kind of what this place is and what it offers. So you really are like old things being equal. I have my own theater. Okay, let's do a dating show. Let's do Star Wars. Let's, you know, let's do this with puppets. But it's, it's not, we're here to kind of pay, pay respect sounds too ominous or, or sad, but like we're, to celebrate and continue kind of what Bob has created in form. And, and, we, and there's many ways to grow that and kind of expand that and kind of, you know, you know, make it great and kind of pack this place every day and do that and still be true to what Bob's made. And like, but it's, but that, that is the kind of the undercurrent of everything that happens here. It's like, we're here because we love this place. We love what Bob is. Like, so it's a very heavy notion of, Compromise or doing things different, and not to say different's bad, but it's just something to be weighed. Yeah, well, so you something you have a strong connection with Bob. How did you how did you get involved with this theater? So, so I went like film and photography school, like Mm. everybody in LA. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, that was in New York, and then we do it was like a program for like internships out in Los Angeles. Supposed to go on like a film set. I was looking for like for whatever reason, like animatronics and uh, mm. like special effects stuff. And mm-hmm. I Googled Los Angeles Puppets. Bob Baker Marinette Theater came up. I went down to see a show, and it was like, blew me away. I was like, oh, I've never seen anything like this. This is like fascinating, interesting. So I asked Bob to let me intern here. Um, he said yes. And then so I spent, you know, that semester here kind of doing... So when was this? How long ago? This was 2007. And 
uh, yeah, so then I you know fell more and more in love with it as I went on. It's, I mean, it's such an interesting place. From the shows to Bob to the history to the dynamic of the puppeteers, it's it's a fascinating, fascinating place. So in 2009, I kind of finished school and kind of you know knocked back on the door um, and. Mm. Got tangled up ever since and everything. Wow. Yeah. Well, how'd you get? So how'd you get tangled up? Just uh, you just kept coming here and just couldn't get away from it. Pretty much. Well, I started working here and it kind of things need to get done. And then you know, in that period, Bob, who and this was true, this is truly Bob's life's work. He was involved in every little thing from the the staging to the office running to to you know making the soundtracks to to everything. Um, but in over the years, Bob got older and older and kind of couldn't do as much. So it essentially became filling the void of Bob with, with a lot of help of like, you know, there's tons and tons of dedicated people down here. Um, so it just, the job became making sure that kind of the show went on and it's kind of, and it's still what's happening. Um, but I, you know, it's something I, I happily do. Um, but yeah, that's kind of so. So, how did you kind of ascend? Because you're the head puppeteer here, right? Yeah. So, how did you? I mean, because that's you know, you're talking about you did that in like seven years. That's incredible. I mean, you're kind of the guy running the show now. Well, because I mean, the mantle's kind of been passed to you, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, very, but very much through like it was just I was the person, right time, right place to kind of like like be there and, and step up to the thing. It was like, you know, we can't. We, um, like I said, Bob got sick, you know, nobody was, you know, putting the soundtracks together anymore. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let me do that. Um, the, um, you know, puppets are falling apart. <laughs> you know, you know, it was like, okay, let me help coordinate with the other people, kind of like, you know, fix them. Or, and with a crew, like, okay, nobody's really like stage managing. <laughs> like, let me, let's figure out what's going on. Um, that's, how, that's how I just did it. I mean, essentially it's seeing the holes and filling them. Um, so, so it's not as if, you know, Bob kind of like, you know, laid down like, Alex, take care of this. Like, and he didn't pass the torch to you. You just kind of picked it up and ran with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, um, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's, there's so many ins and outs. I mean, because it's, it's, a, it's a business, essentially, is what mm-hmm. it is. And, like, and Bob Baker is his most creative, like, greatest guy I've ever known but because he's a creative great guy like doesn't quite ha- didn't quite have like business know-how the right. last a lot of like bad financial situations sure um so like, that's been a heavy part of it along with kind of Dante and Danny in the office and Richard who's about partner um um and then you know Oslo did all the costumes around the store and Victor and and all the puppeteers it's just all just it's, I mean, it's truly, and I'm, I'm proud to say, like a collective right now, kind of mm. everyone down here who just wants to kind of keep this going. And we're all like, like yes, I semi-steer the ship to kind of make sure, you know, it's, you know, afloat. But, you know, it's all with the help of many people on the oars doing it. Right. Yeah. Well, so um, so this, how, how much does it take to keep this place afloat? I mean, like how, how many people do you have involved here? There's a staff for like ten people, but it like we're only really open from like nine to one Tuesday to Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday we have shows at two thirty. Pretty frequently we have like special evening shows. We just had one last night, 
Um, we have rentals and things like that that happen down here. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's very tight belt. I mean, we just like it, it's a theater. Like we, you know, we we don't like roll in the money. We're, we're, right. Yeah. <laughs> what we're, theater does sure, right, outside right. of Broadway? <laughs> we're sustainable. I mean, like we just had a packed house today. It was a packed house yesterday. Um, there's a lot of ebbs and flows. We make a lot of our money at Christmas time um, because it's Christmas, and then which helps us get by the rest of the year. But um, yeah, we pay the bills. I mean, there's. Unfortunately, kind of like a lot of past problems that kind of are constantly around, um, but we're figuring those out. Well, see, we, you keep alert, alluding to that. Let's talk about that. So what's going on with the theater now? This is a historic landmark, um, but yet you guys no longer own the property, correct? Yeah, so back in 2013, I believe, uh, because of back taxes and mortgage payments and all that jazz, um, we, uh, Bob had to kind of sell the property. Otherwise, it was going to be foreclosed upon and like put up for auction and all that stuff. So uh, he just had to sell the property. He sold it to this, this developer, which was the best deal at the time because of that deal. We're still open today and kind of still doing shows while he develops and is planning to do apartments and, and all that type of stuff. There was a, so we are a historical landmark and like that's what happens all the time when people come in here and kind of find out about building apartments. They're like, oh, you're a historic landmark, you know, no problem. Which is a lot of kind of what a lot of us around here thought, too. Um, however. <laughs> however. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, it's so complicated. Um, it's so... So in that time, so Bob passed away 2014, which is essentially when all these plans were going forth, like how the city addresses its historical nature, uh, how the city addresses you know, its historical properties and how to develop upon, upon which that was essentially happening while Bob was in hospice care. And right up until the end, like I said, like Mano was never given to me or anybody here, it was, this is Bob's show. Um, so there was a heavy transition period where the kind of founder and owner is kind of in hospice care you know, nobody really stepped up to the plate from the theater to kind of f figure out what's going on. But, I mean, you know, nobody really truly reached out to us either to kind of be like, hey, like, you know, what are you guys doing? Um, so in that time and phrase, essentially, um, this kind of assessment was okayed by the city that essentially declared uh, that you know, backstage isn't important <laughs> historically. Like, a workshop isn't important historically. Mm. Um, oh, uh, what aspects? You have to really divvy out what aspects are historically significant. Yeah, they, it's, uh, they, what's called a conformance report, which kind of, like, spells out, like, okay, from it's the square footage, essentially, kind of <laughs> right. from, you know, code and onwards is red, which means important. Uh, there's, you know, this party room over here is red, which is important. The courtyard's important. Um, then there's this mitigation kind of recommendations or package, which essentially say there's going to be no impact to the community because the developer is going to do HABS documentation, which means there's going to be a black and white photo somewhere. Uh, there's going to be uh, a uh, artistic display, which a plaque essentially or you know something. Some oh, so, so in order to keep it on, you have to have a black and white photo. That's not a joke. Like you have to just. To, well, to this, so th this to is what the compliance. This is what the city okayed uh, wow. without okay. without console of the theater, um, and and then project monitoring. So so really, the only thing the black and white photos like Hab's documentation, which you know essentially an archive of all monuments, 
which is you know nice, but you know I don't really care about. Um, but then the artistic display is that's the only thing that really has any kind of like tangible merits, and it's mm. um, the other things like project monitoring, so making sure that art display looks pretty. Um, so so that so that's where things. That's that's where things were left off, kind of you know, in this development stage. Uh, so present day, um, with the developer and like, so we've kind of got our act together a little bit with the theater in terms of like a business and kind of how like we're run and kind of doing the shows and doing this as collective of people kind of making it work. And in the past year, kind of stepped up to kind of knock on doors and be like, okay, what's going on? Like you know, like, you know, how did this happen? What's our options? Like what's going on? Um, and essentially it's come down to kind of with the developer, like negotiating with him and kind of essentially saying with the, a lot of the community support and, you know, you're hard pressed to find a place with more goodwill and people that care about sure. the place. Um, uh, it's kind of gotten us leverage essentially, essentially in the situation to kind of negotiate with the developer who's working with us to kind of in some shape or form continue the historic resource. What exactly that looks like, we're still working on. We're still trying to figure out, like everyone here is dedicated to kind of keeping this place going. Um, in inevitably, if I had to put money on it, um, you know, there's, there's change afoot that's coming. Like as we're looking around right now, you know, this won't be the same in a few years time. Um, but change doesn't have to be a bad thing. There's, you know, there's options on the table of us continuing in some shape or form, and even and even continuing in kind of a in a better space. Obviously, the sadness about like, you know, there's charm to kind of the dust on the ceiling that's been here for 50 years, um, and there's a lot of dust. <laughs> but there's also okay a new space with no dust on the ceiling that could be built to our needs and specifications. Like, you know, that's nothing to kind of bulk at. Um, well, the other thing that's kind of amazing uh, that I want to bring up here okay. is that, um, you know, Bob Baker grew up in Los Angeles, was mm -hmm. born in Koreatown, yeah, and and commuted from Koreatown to here every single day mm -hmm. for eighty plus years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's there's something about that, you know. I mean, I, I mean, well, I guess not here for eighty plus years because this has only been around since '63, right? Mm -hmm. But that's you know fifty years. I mean, that's fifty plus years, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, that's there's something about that, and I know what you're saying. Um, like, oh, we could have a different space and, you know, we, the show will still go on. It just won't be in, in this concrete, you know, box. However, there's so much history to this exact location. Yeah. I Although I will say, I will say time out. You could do, uh, uh, you know, the, um, the neighborhood leaves a little to be desired, but uh, you should, <laughs> if you're going to upgrade, make sure you get, you know, make sure you pop into a nice neighborhood. But, um, but this, this place does have a lot of charm to it. I mean, it is... In that you can't replicate. I, I so agree. I so agree. I mean, it's like it's it's it's. Can I cuss? Shitty? Can I say that? Yeah, sure. Sorry, sorry. Hey, man, it's sorry, you, kids. Your words, your words, not mine. Uh, it's all ages show. It's a it's a it's a shitty it's a shitty situation. Like I 100 yeah, percent agree. Yeah. Like it, like it is, will break my heart the day these chandeliers come down. The day yeah. there's like you know dust cleaned like. In my in my mind, that is the magic of this place. Is that you look? The neighborhood is horrible. Uh, the building is horrible outside. The, uh, there's paint chips on the wall. There's dust on the ceiling. There's lights that don't work. But then the show starts, and then the place is alive. And mm -hmm. like, well, it's like that is that in my mind is like 
I didn't particularly love puppetry. Like I didn't, didn't have any background in puppetry before this. I've grown to love it through this place, but it's like 100% like this physical building, the kind of dynamic of the crew that works here. 90% of the crew that works down here are neighborhood kids, kids that would have, would have no experience whatsoever with puppetry or art or culture or whatever, but just because this place was here and because of just the dynamic of this place, spent a decade, you know, being artists in this place. And it's, that's so important. It's like, it's, I, it blows my mind the fact that, that any change is, is happening. Like, and I, and I get it. Like, I've spent the last year, like, going to every little detail of kind of why that's happening. And I get it. And, like, there's nobody really with a smoking gun to blame. Um, but it's just shitty. It's so shitty. Um, yeah, I mean, change. The thing is, change happens, and I'll tell you. You know, there's there's two sides of that argument, right? Mm-hmm. So, the, so the first side of that is, um, in an ideal world, it sounds like you would preserve this place as it is now uh, uh, into the foreseeable future indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something to that. Uh, and I think what you do is kind of create like a more like a museum aspect, right? Because I mean, I'm looking around, and it looks like this place hasn't been touched in 50 years. There's a good side to that, and there's a bad side to that. Um, and I think the the silver lining in all this is, if you guys were to move to a different place, revamp this, inject new life, new creativity into a place like this, um, it's almost like uh, you know shedding your skin in a kind of way, and like a rebirth. And I think you could have, you know, there's 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 something to new energy, new blood, and new building um, to make something new with um, with the same history uh, as, as you have now, the same history, the same love, the same memories, the same scripts, uh, the same stories uh, in a new building. Like there's, there's something to that. You know what I mean? For sure. No, I, I, I mean, I completely agree. And like, I mean, and it's, it's kind of what I'm mentally preparing for is like, okay, that is like the best scenario. And like really my hope is to leapfrog this transition into like developing like a non-profit sector where it's not just the shows it's like educational programs it is a museum space there is like you know these displays that kind of really represent and hold true the integrity and like bob he kind of hated this building he he would every day he would come and talk about like oh the light should have been like this or the carpet's Mm -hmm. wrong or whatever like you you could make you could make a new place that is truer to bob's vision than this place is um Mm -hmm. um yeah, that is a positive spin of it, and that's kind of where we're going. Um, I guess you kind of have to go there, otherwise you'll um, end up hanging yourself from the rafters, I guess, right? It's enough space <laughs> yeah. here, it's a tall building. <laughs> don't do that. It's a dark show. Yeah, don't turn yourself <laughs> into a marionette. Um, well, so let's let's keep talking about Bob, because I think Bob is, is you know, one of the... He's a, as I was looking into his history, this is, I mean, he's a really kind of cool character. You know, I mean, he really loved this type of stuff. I mean, to do something like this, to become a master of your craft over 80 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to continue the, the story from, from eight years old? I think we left it off when he was eight and bought his first puppet for a dollar. It's, it's a long story. <laughs> um, we got time. So, went around L.A., kind of did all these shows, worked for all these like, theater companies. Back in like the 30s, L.A. was like booming with all sorts of federally funded theater programs and... Mm-hmm. Alvera Street had all this like awesome theater stuff going on. Um, uh, World War II happens. Bob kind of gets recruited by this guy George Powell, who's kind of a big deal in the movie world. He has this thing called the Puppet Tunes, um, 
which is essentially stop motion kind of puppetry, the beautifully well done kind of stop motion puppets. And like Bob kind of was an animator on, on that and kind of did that. And like George Powell, he did like the old World of World special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, all, sorts, all sorts of like kooky, like early like 50s, like, you know, think of like a 1950s, like, you know, sci fi movie and like special effects. Like that's George Powell, essentially. Um, uh, he, so Bob worked with him and kind of like, did all sorts of animation work with there. And then I'm sure on the side and then kind of afterwards and continuously, he kind of like had this puppet company. So he would tour around, go to like fairgrounds and birthday parties and just do puppet performances and things like that. Um, he, there was, you know, movie work, work and television work like Wild Wild West, like Star Trek, uh, Bewitched. Um, uh, I'm forgetting, but there's tons. Couple, and tons he did of that. some Elvis movies. Uh, yeah, Bed yeah, up and broomsticks. Mm-hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, uh, commercials like Bob's Big Boy, which is a local LA thing. Mm-hmm. McDonald's, he had stuff in. His puppets have been everywhere. Everywhere. Like, he, like you wanted like back when puppets were a thing. Like you, you wanted like a puppet in your movie or TV. Like Bob was the guy to go to. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he basically made that name for himself. I mean, he was the puppet guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he started the you know the puppet union, the puppeteers union here. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in charge of of I think the animation aspect of the um, of the television academy. Yeah, he, he was responsible for getting the puppeteers into SAG. Like so if you work if a puppeteer works on a TV show or a movie, it's all SAG. That's that's because of Bob. That's incredible. There's one little tidbit that I found fascinating. I don't know if there's any validity to this. I'm going to run it by you. You okay. tell me if this is <laughs> BS or not. That's the game we're going to play. <laughs> uh, so he worked as an advisor for Walt Disney um, on some Disney movies. And according to one of the articles that I read, he was actually with Walt, uh, Mr. Disney. I call him Walt. He was with Disney while they were touring Disneyland the day before it opened. Kind yeah. of like giving him notes. Yeah, yeah, Bob, Bob told me that. Um, um, yeah, Bob was very close with, with Walt, like a, a hugely inspired by Walt Disney. But I mean, Bob was a kid. But one, like, Bob used to tell me a story of one of the animators from Pinocchio, uh, because I think that was when Bob was still a kid when Pinocchio came out, but it would kind of hit up Bob and be like, oh, so how do puppets work? <laughs> um, uh, that's what Bob said. Um, but then, well, yeah, so during Disneyland, sorry, uh, during Disneyland, uh, Bob, Bob did all the uh, Main Street, all the window displays. Bob created that. Um, mm. All those big, like, you know, you know every movie kind of had its own, like, fancy window display, so Bob made that. And, yeah, so when 1955, I think, when Disneyland opened, Bob, you know, Bob was there. And, and it's a small world, all puppets. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's Alice, Alice Mark Davis, I believe. Um, um, but, yeah, that's all puppets. That, that's all, that was all... I don't think Bob was actually that involved in that. But I know in the Pinocchio ride, which is newer to Disneyland, that you can, st- you can see Bob's puppets, like, hanging up there. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, no, he built Pinocchio puppets for Disneyland. That was one of his first things, right? Yeah, so Bob, so also, along with the puppet shows, Bob essentially made toys for years and years and years, mm. and so had this handshake deal with Walt Disney to kind of make all the puppets for Disney. So made, you know, marionettes of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and, you know, uh, up until Night Before Christmas, and just you know made this whole collectible series. About ten years ago, they kind of didn't honor a handshake deal, and kind of went to China. Um, 
Um, but we still have like boxes of heads and hands of you know Mickey Mouse. And things like that. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Because that's got to be proprietary information. I imagine they don't just give that to you, right? Making the and it's a very specific hand on Mickey Mouse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, I know, like, color schemes always, like, dictated exactly, like, this is, this is what the sorcerer, you know, the, the shade yeah. of red that he wears, or, you know, stuff like that. So now, how do you guys pick the, uh, what is actually shown here? Because right now you're doing, um, is it Hooray LA? Hooray LA, that's a show just opened uh, this week. Um, so, well, essentially, the whole, the big positive spin, I should make sure that actually I get across very clearly yeah. in this whole ambiguity of the future is that we're here right now for the next year you know we we're here and our plan is to just live it up while we can and kind of like to bring back and use every little thing we can use so so this show hasn't been done in 25 years but it was heralded as like bob's masterpiece like i had heard about it for years and years and years um, there's this crazy like oil rig like number like <laughs> set where it's like dancing oil or oil rigs and when i first kind of came here I saw them in storage. I was like, that's like ridiculous. I have to, <laughs> I want to see that on the stage. So, th- so that's been like a, like a dream for a while. But so all, like a lot of the puppets are in disarray, so we kind of have to rebuild it all. But so essentially we're trying to kind of in this next year kind of just pack it full with as many cool things and use as much as we can while we still can in the space that they were created for. Um, so yeah, we, we, do, we just finished Sketchbook Review, which was like a remount of the very first show that was staged here. We're doing Hooray LA. Our next show is going to be the show Send the Crow About, which is like my favorite show down here. Christmas time, we're going to try and like, we have like two Christmas shows, uh, Nutcracker and Holiday Spectacular. We'll try and do them, bring them both on. Halloween is always just a good time. <laughs> um, so do you guys have scripts for these things or how does this work? I mean, when you're, when you're putting it back up. I mean, it's slightly different for this new show because it hasn't been done in 25 years. But it's actually, it's really cool because it's all essentially oral tradition. So it's essentially puppeteers wow. that have done it before kind of be like, okay, this is how that goes. Like, you do it like this. Um, so that's, how, that's, that's normally how it works. With this show, that hasn't been done in 25 years. Nobody really knew how it worked. But there was a video from, like, an old, like, VHS from the 80s copy of the show which was very helpful and dictated. And we had the music, so that's, that's the script, it's the soundtrack. So we had a reel-to-reel of the soundtrack that we converted. So um, did, you, did you convert the videotape to uh, digital? Did you digitize it? Yeah, it was a VHS tape, so it was just, you know, hooking up VCR to a computer. No, I mean, did you digitize it now for posterity in the future? Yeah, so actually, I mean, this is kind of besides the point, but, like, how I really got involved with the theater is, like, I went to film school after... I started, you know, came back to work here in 2009. I was like, oh, I went to film school, got a nice camera. You know, give me a month about the theater. And, you know, Bob was doing this new show, Arabian Nights. Be like, making up Arabian Nights. Quickly found out Bob had been working on the show for like 10 years. He was never going to finish it. Um, and essentially kind of chronicled everything like uh, up there. So most of the old archive stuff I kind of have like digitized and kind of on video. You know, filmed every puppet, every show, you know, interviews with Bob and... I have tons and tons of stuff and material, which is so helpful to kind of like, you know, recreate and, and do things. So you started out filming a documentary about Bob. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was I, I wasn't, I, was, I started out as a puppeteer here, and, but then just, we all have side jobs. My sure. side job was filmmaking, so I kind of combined the two. Did you did you put anything together? Do you have like a? I, I have it together per se. It's the saddest movie you've ever seen. Uh, I've seen some pretty sad movies. I've made <laughs> even worse. So it's, uh, 
uh, it hasn't been. I mean, really, the story hasn't come to an end, essentially, because it essentially like, chronicled, you know, the theater, Bob essentially getting old and eventually passing away, and theater selling, and um, and then the state of ambiguity that is in, in now. Um, it's so. So the last cut I have is like painful to watch, and, and it's and I'm like I'm so personally connected to it all. It's like, you know, you know, trying after Bob passed away, trying to sit down and like edit a movie with like you know hours of footage of just Bob kind of talking about it. It's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, it, I you know I'm constantly working on it, filming stuff for it. Like I'm sure that time lapse thing we just did of of the whole production of the new show and kind of reviving all these old shows will be a part of it in some shape or form. Um, but the, the story is kind of unfolding. I would I would have loved to actually finish it and have it out there, so maybe it could even like affect the outcome of what happens. But there's only so much time in the day to do it. <laughs> that that is really true. Uh, wh- now, what did you say your favorite um, play was that was here? What's fa- your favorite one? Yeah, it's a, it's called Something to Crow About. So it's like a day on the farm. It's all in the style of Bob shows. It's like musical variety, but essentially it's just like morning, noon, and night on a farm. So there's like goats and pigs and like tap dancing frogs and um, this crazy firefly number of like lights that kind of dance around the theater. Um, there's uh, like veg- vegetables that have like a re- their own like mini review show, um, so or, or a show within a show kind of thing. show within a show. Yeah, the new wow. stew review. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, the new stew review. The new stew review. <laughs> I'd see that. Uh, so you guys, are, when are you putting that up? Uh, this summertime, so probably end of May or June time. I haven't I, this show is I'm so happy we may extend this run, but um, we haven't locked it down yet. But definitely, definitely summertime. And so how so how long is this one running? How long is Hooray LA going? End of end of right now, end of May. Until end of okay. May. And possibly longer. Possibly longer. You're still selling out shows? I mean this is pretty popular, isn't it? Yeah, it is popular. I mean like uh is PR. Oh no, I I shouldn't get into that. But like it is popular. Um but I mean like we're very for lack of a better word, loosey-goosey in terms of, like, you know, announcing our calendar and things like that. So there's room to kind of play it by ear and see, what's, see what people want. <laughs> sure. Well, how do people find you? Like, where'd, um, where can people find you online? Where Do you guys have social media? Do you have... What yeah, do you yeah, announce so stuff? Fa- fa- so Facebook, we have a very active, like, Facebook page now. Uh, website, we actually just have a new one, BobBaconMarionetheater.com. Um, there's... Uh, we have an Instagram account... You know, we're pretty trendy. We got we're up to date on all, on all the cool stuff. But the Bob Baker Theater.com should have information about it all. And then also has information about the kind of the city stuff and kind of what's going on there. Oh, you're keeping an update on the website? Yeah, yeah. I mean that so there was a period where the when which is still actually valuable and viable where people can kind of go to this website and submit a comment to the city saying, you know, how dare you? How could you possibly do anything here? Well, hopefully not, not even negative, but more like this is important for the community. Like, yeah. you know, keep it around. Like, and, then to, and especially talking about their experience here. Or, or just broadly talking about this is the value of art in, in community in general. This is the value of puppets on psychology or, or something like that. Like, <laughs> the value of puppets on psychology. That's, I'm going to say that. <laughs> I, 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 I promote and I, I encourage everyone listening to, to do the same thing. Um, well, Alex, I want to thank you for taking time out, man. This is really great to, to peek behind the curtain here and see this um, 
this historic landmark up close and personal. This is a great place, man. It's magical. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming down. Consider yeah. the door is always open. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, for everyone listening, I'm going to have all these uh, links on the webpage so you can check it out. Uh, you can come down and check out Hooray LA, which is running now. Um, so thanks to everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn, and is a Glencoe production. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. There's going to be lots of supplemental material for this episode. Check out fascinatingnouns.com. Uh, it'll link you to everything. You can go to, there's YouTube videos. There's going to be pictures. Pinterest.com backslash fascinating noun. You got Facebook. Got to have this stuff. Facebook.com backslash fascinating nouns. You can check out Instagram. I've got lots of pictures of this and my other Glencoe productions. Uh, Instagram.com username the Daniel J Glenn. Someone else took Daniel J Glenn. I had to separate myself. You know how it goes. And finally, there's Twitter accounts. Personal at Daniel J Glenn. You want to check out the show? Learn about what's going on there. It's at fascinating noun. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed the episode and um, continue the conversation online. Thank you. End of transmission.